Sam had looked off toward the port in the distance, as a few crew that remained prepared the ship for docking. Soon we will arrive in my kingdom, Sama. Then we will be safe. The words from his friend Rowan didn't ease his worries, as naive as he may be. When he was standing in front of the Hittite king, then they will be safe. Right now other events needed to be dealt with. Freeing themselves from Dyrus was taking precedence over all other thoughts. No matter what they believed, they were now prisoners, and only Dyrus knew what their immediate future was to behold. Welcome back. An overweight man holding a small sheet of papyrus yelled condescendingly from the docks as they approached, ready to throw their ropes. A crowd of people behind seemed unaware of the docking ship and went about their business. The man stood alone motionless, wearing only worn-down ragged robes that seemed to have never been washed, a fitting dress for a man that also did not take any pride in his physical appearance. Overweight, with greasy hair, unshaven, and the few teeth that remained when he smiled had a tinge of yellow rotting away at the core. Just standing there motionless, never indicating to offer any help to the crew docking their ship. Did you miss us, Janos? Dyrus laughed as he jumped onto the dock before securing the first of the ropes. What did you bring us this time, Dyrus? More worthless fishermen and their families? Dyrus approached Janos, grabbing him by the collar, bringing his face near his own. No, this is something of value that even you will find interesting. Baros, bring out our guests. Sam and Rowan now found themselves standing on the docks before Janos with their wrists tied surrounded by the remaining crew. This is Sama, scribe of King Astoran of Canossus. Janos shrugged, looking the man up and down. Am I supposed to be impressed? And this is Rowan, scribe and cousin of the late King Mersili. Janos smiled, now knowing why Dyrus was so confident. And at the same moment, Rowan only heard the words, Late King Mersili. What did he mean? Was his cousin dead? He didn't have long to dwell as Barros pushed, forcing them to make their way off the docks and following Janos's lead into the increasingly crowded streets. I can give you 20,000 for the Hittite. With the way the new king has been obsessed murdering all of the old guard, he'll bring a good price. As for the Islander, from what I've been hearing, he's a refugee now. Maybe 1,000, and I'm feeling generous. 1,000? That's all you offer? I'd always known you were scum, Janos. This man holds value. His king will pay if presented with evidence. His king will pay. His king will not pay. Until I know of his king surviving the wave, he's worth what I say. Or I can make another offer. 19,000 for the two of them. Or would you prefer 18? 22 for the two of them. Even you know that's a fair deal. Or shall I take them to one of your competitors? Jano stopped in front of the door of a large house, answering under his breath. 22. No more. Dyrus, his captives, and crew followed Janos through the door into a courtyard surrounded by a house on three sides. 
Janos had Dyrus continue with him through another door across from the one they had just entered. The crew remained in the courtyard for what seemed ages, waiting for Dyrus and their payment. Sam, I realized in the position they were in, whispered to Rowan. We need to make our escape. He's not coming back. Sam, I will be killed. This is a trap. These men are idiots not to see it. Barros overheard them whispering, not ready to silence them as they were speaking the truth. Even he could see it now. The crew became increasingly agitated with every passing moment. Barros, we should leave now, Sama cried out. The door opened with Dyrus and Janos, each carrying out a small wooden box. Barros, hand over our guests. Sam and Rowan began walking toward Janos with Barros' hand pushing at their backs. As they reached the other side of the courtyard, Barros returned to help with the boxes, eager to make his way out. Thank you, Janos. It was a pleasure. We will see each other again. Dyrus smirked as he turned to open the door to the street. Trying to open as he did, the door would not move. No, Dyrus. I suspect we will not be seeing each other again. A group of men appeared around the courtyard wearing armor, carrying shields and swords. They quickly surrounded the outmatched crew. Thank you for your services, Dyrus. They will no longer be needed. King Hentilly will be very pleased. A loud roar came from the men surrounding the courtyard as they rushed forward enveloping the outnumbered crew, cutting them down in cold blood. Sam and Rowan looked on in horror before blackness filled their eyes. The blackness and sudden sharp pain filling their heads that always preceded unconsciousness. What shall we do with them, sir? Jano stared down at the pair of unconscious men laying at his feet. Plans running through his head. He ordered to his guards. Pack them up. The king is waiting. The piercing hot sun filled Sam's eyes as he laid on the cart, not noticing every bump and rock along the road. The smell of the animal pulling him was becoming unbearable as he regained his senses. Raising his head, he could see Janos and his men surrounding the cart, along with others he couldn't recognize, in both front and back, stretching far beyond his vision. Rowan sat beside him, their wrists and ankles tied, his gaze focused on the growing number of travelers. Santa thought to himself it was best not to speak, as he noticed a single rider approaching from the front of the column. Passing the cart, without even the slightest look toward anyone other than Janos, the rider approached. His horse exhausted from a long ride, the man was eager to give very urgent news. We're being tracked. Familiar words to Sam and Rowan, but seemed to bring a look of fear to Janos's eyes. We're a day's ride from Hattusa. How far out are they? How many? Janos began asking the man before he could answer, obviously exhausted himself from the long ride. Not far, less than a day's ride. If we keep this pace, they will descend on the caravan before we reach the city. Janos began giving orders to the men, sending them off, then turning back to the rider, he noticed his captives were now awake. 
Gather every rider you can find and delay him until we reach Atusa. The rider nodded his head before riding off toward the head of the column. Only Sama, Rowan, and their captain remained in an uneasy silence now filled with the sounds of the creaking cart and breathing of the animals that pulled it. As they began to climb a steep hill, the size of the caravan came into view. People, animals, and carts, numbering in the thousands, stretched even further than the eye could see. Every one of them bound for Hattusa. Rowan stared in silence. The realization that his cousin was dead and a usurper was on the throne began to sink in. This was a caravan to Hattusa for the coronation. Sama, when the moment comes, do not hesitate. Our lives will depend on it. The islander knew exactly what his friend intended and nodded slowly ready to make their escape. The rider returned, riding past them toward the back of the caravan with more than a hundred other horsemen in tow, creating a blinding, choking dust on the arid trail that blocked out all vision. As they became specks in the distance, unable to discern from the others in the caravan, Rowan decided to make a move and stood up with Sama, quickly following. The two men leapt from the cart toward Janos, now alone, knocking him off his horse and onto the ground as the other travelers simply ignored the scrum walking around them. Sama picked up a rock with both hands as Rowan struggled with Janos, pinning him to the ground. With all of his strength, Sama thrust the rock down onto Janos' head, over and over again. Rowan relaxed as the life slowly faded from the body beneath him. Cries of agony and pleas for mercy were ignored by the two men. Only the urgency of their escape caused them to stop their act of vengeful murder seemingly unimportant to the people around them. But it was too much for Janos to overcome the feeling of blackness that preceded death, bringing a strange peace and comfort to his mind. All of his worries, thoughts, and memories swirled around, with not one to focus on, yet all had his attention in a surreal dance that no man could make music for. A silence and a single voice broke the scene in his mind, pulling him back to the world of the living. We need to make our way to Hattusa on our own, the voice was not recognizable, but Janos knew it was spoken by one of the two men. It didn't matter now, as they were locked in the common goal, their survival. Janos knew now they will do anything to survive, and the first mistake was allowing him to live. They will pay for their mistake. Rowan slowly stood up, leaving Janos on the ground, soaking the dust of the trail as the caravan walked past, ignoring the body barely clinging to what life remained. Then grabbing Janos's horse by the reins, he climbed onto its back, looking down at Sama. Get on. Sama never hesitated, taking Rowan's hand as he pulled himself up onto the waiting animal, now trying to make sense of their recent change of fortune. But dwelling on such things was sure to get one killed. So he sat on the horse following Rowan, hoping they would find better fortunes ahead. Where should we go, Rowan? There's cutthroats all over this country, looking to sell our heads. Your cousin is dead, and the armored horseman. What of him? This is your homeland. What do we do? We go to Hattusa.
blend in and avoid anyone of importance, at least until we can weigh our options. A quiet place amongst the people. Then seek out my cousin's supporters, people loyal to the true king, and then we will know what to do. Sam looked quietly at the caravan of strangers as they rode past with everyone's thoughts on their own reasons for journeying to Hattusa. Of all the others, his had to be the strangest, and only his alone, for no one would understand his loss and sorrow. When would he find peace in this continuing madness? The two men rode off slowly with the caravan mixing into the crowd so as not to draw attention, unaware of the danger they had left lying on the trail, a revenge waiting to be exacted in the coldest terms possible. Their spirits were lifted with every step toward Hattusa. Every hill they crested over brought feelings of anticipation and excitement, only to be dashed with the sight of yet another hill in the distance. Until the last obscure rise brought the sight all were longing to see. Hattusa. The two men smiled, eager to rush forward, but not wanting to draw attention instead kept pace with her fellow travelers. Slowly approaching the walls, Samo was taken aback by the size and grandeur of the city. The walls were taller than any building he had ever seen in his travels, including those of Canossus. With towers stretching even further into the sky, manned by countless soldiers, who themselves seemed to be unimpressed with a caravan passing through their gates, Going about their duties, inspecting each and every traveler in a mundane boredom, eager for any excitement, yet seemingly unwilling to act on anything more than a minor infraction. And even those were allowed to pass as soon as a bribe could be agreed upon. They approached the gate, themselves attempting to be inconspicuous. Their bonds are now removed and appearing somewhat presentable yet forgettable in the same instance. A single guard on the left raised his hand to them, indicating the stop before grabbing the reins of the horse. He looked to be younger, a very large stature wearing full armor head to toe that shined in the sunlight, more so than his fellow soldiers. Samuel was quick to notice that it was similar armor to the horseman. They had encountered previously. He was new to the guard, excited and eager to make an impression, not afraid to inspect each and every traveler if he could. A welcome attitude to the others as they sat back and watched with smirks on their faces. The sheer size of the man put fear into Rowan and Sama, his head towering over the horses, with a beard covering only his chin. Shoulders wider than both of them put together, and arms thicker than their legs. The man was a giant to all others. There was not going to be an escape if they were discovered. The man stared at them for what seemed an eternity, causing a deep fear and virtual paralysis in their bodies. Where do you come from, and what is your business? He asked, almost ordering, in a tone that seemed... More a command than a question. Sam answered quickly without thinking. Canossus. 
Rowan glanced back towards Sam before smiling and nodding to the guard. The man stood, trying to size them up. They knew he wasn't buying their story by the expression on his face. The voice coming from the wall eased their worries. It's not appropriate to question royal emissaries, especially from a friendly kingdom such as theirs. An older man, who Rowan quickly realized was the officer in charge at this gate, walked toward them. The man wore armor and a helmet. That was an exact match to the horsemen they had encountered at the village. Soldier, these are emissaries. Show them some respect. The man released his grip from the reins and nodded to his commander. This way, if you men would follow me, please. The officer asked in a more polite tone than they were accustomed from a soldier, gesturing for them to follow him through the gate as the guard joined them. Passing through, Sama looked up at every detail of the structure from the walls. The massive tower straddling either side, the masonry and the gate itself, including the mechanisms that powered the structure. What kept his attention more than any other were the immense stone sphinxes standing guard at the base of the towers. A lion's head and a body sitting upright with wings of a bird carved into their sides. Taller than most men. Samuel was sure if the two soldiers leaning against its feet were to stand atop the other soldiers, they would still be dwarfed by the carvings. Awe filled his mind as he wondered how a people could build such a magnificent thing. The palaces on Crete were impressive in their own right, of course, but the scale of this city dwarfed them. Rowan, his eyes firmly on the guard leading them through, interrupted Sam's wandering mind but for a moment. Welcome to Hattusa. As they passed through the other side of the gates, the buildings began to truly reveal themselves. Up until now, only the tallest of the buildings were visible to anyone outside the walls. Sama took it all in, glancing at every building, every shop, and at the strangest sights he had ever seen. They followed the officer through wide streets that seemed to be made of a continuous white rock, worn down from centuries of traffic. The sides of them were raised on separate platforms, running parallel, as for people to walk on, without having to step into the river of urine and animal dung that flowed along its edges into the various catch basins. Every other building housed a shop of some sort, but no two were of the same beside one another. The scene was all too familiar to the young islander, as his thoughts drifted back to home and his sister. Animals pulling carts full of goods in every direction, fighting with each other to make their way along the streets, sometimes stopping for the occasional person, ignorant of their surroundings, obviously too busy to be worried about such things. Or children darting out in front, running and playing, all while the various people went about their business, haggling over the price of chickens, discussing gossip, and doing whatever needed to be done that day. They made their way to a stable in a small alley. Immediately the doors closed behind them before anyone could react. The officer ordered them to dismount and approached Rowan, smiling at him, much to the confusion of Sama, who now relaxed as the men embraced one another. Where have you been, Rowan? 
I know you were in Canossus, but then word came of the destruction, and I assumed you were gone. Now you show up out of nowhere, as if the gods themselves dropped you out of the sky. It's a long story. What of my cousin, the king? Why all of this? The guards, the caravan? I know of only rumors. But as you know, around here rumors have a tendency to become truth, if heard by enough people. The officer said, waving his hand, gesturing to move on to another subject. Rowan pressed on, insisting, looking for answers. Please, tell me. The officer sighed, knowing Rowan at least know the truth of what happened during his absence from the capital. The men sat down on a bench along the back wall of the stable, opposite the door, as the whole story was unfolded to Rowan and Sama, listening, and still standing beside the horse. Well, the official story is King Mercilia was returning from his campaign in Babylon and died from a wound suffered in battle. Most of us were there during the siege and never witnessed any wounds. Only a scrape here and there, but nothing to cause death. And weeks after returning, no less. Pure nonsense. Another story is his wife, Queen Callie, poisoned him. But again, nonsense. Why would she, when she already has the crown? The woman came from poverty and Mercilli rose her out of the shithole she was living in to make her his queen. Just a rumor planted by the true murderers. And who are they? Rowan asked. It's odd how the royal cupbearer suddenly became king. Married to Mercilli's sister, Herapsili, the woman is gifted with a soft tongue and a strong will. Her lust for men is only surpassed by her lust for power. She is the true ruler. Everyone can see this. Only Hentili himself is blind to the truth. Her voice whispers evil words in his ear, swaying every decision. She never leaves his side. The king was poisoned, and the blood is on their hands. Even a fool can see that. Did anyone object? Where was the royal guard? They were bought off, swearing oaths to Hintilly or to Rapsili, depending on who you ask. She controls everything now. Except there is one man, a royal guard, that saw their treachery for what it was. He stormed out of the throne room in defiance, barely escaping with his life. They pursued him, offering a bounty for his head, but none accepted the offer. It was said his loyalty to Mercilli was such that he swore eternal vengeance, vowing to kill all who conspired against the true king. After gathering all who were loyal, he settled across the country, hunting down all Hantilli's supporters and any other unsavory characters. Some of us wanted to join him, but it all happened so quickly. Now we are biding our time, doing our duty, waiting for the right moment to exact our revenge.
Zedanta. Her own bastard son is commanding the remaining guard. The only man she can trust. I myself have risked my own life bringing you here. There's a bounty on the heads of every relative and servant of the old King Rasili. And you, my friend, are both worth your weight in gold. Every dishonest man and cutthroat between here and Babylon is searching for any and all the new king has deemed fugitives. That is you and your friend also. My soldiers are beginning to question their loyalties, seeing fortunes with every person passing through the gates. You're fortunate I was there. That guard was a fresh recruit, but the others would have brought you to the palace. It's a dark time for us, my friend. Servants of evil have their power. They're everywhere, and we do not dare speak out. Rowan couldn't believe what he was hearing, sitting there on the bench. But it all made sense now. The pirates, Janos, and the talk of a new king. Thinking to himself now, how could he have been so reckless, telling his name to everyone he had come across since this terrible journey began? Was he a fool? What to do? Where to go? Hattusa was a mistake. He was now a mouse in the snake's nest, and he needed to flee the city. Looking up at Sama, he struggled to find words that would give his friend comfort while thinking of a solution to their ever-growing danger. But Sama had heard every word and now felt the familiar feeling of his heart sinking into his stomach after realizing the position they were in. Rowan accepted where they were at this point. Escaping the city after just recently entering would arise suspicion and would amount to nothing more than suicide. A change of subject was needed. Ain't it? This is Sama, my friend from the islands and scribe of the great king of Canossus. Aenid stood, reaching out his hand, grasping Sama's with a firm grip. A friend of a friend is my own. Sama, welcome to Atusa. Sama smiled, letting out a breath, sighing, now knowing despite the danger around them, they were safe for the moment. If only a brief moment. The snakes would catch their scent before long causing them to depart once more. Ain't it? I've never heard a name such as yours. How did you come to know Rowan? Ain't it chuckled under his breath as he removed his helmet, revealing a face that was witness to more than its share of battles. Scars scattered, overlapping from ear to mouth, from neck to forehead, dividing the partly grown beard into patches. He had given up trying to hide them, instead displaying them with pride. I met him when he was a boy. I was recently recruited into the army and assigned to protect him, as he was cousin to the king. And my name? Well, my people come from the eastern mountains. It's a very common name there. Ain't it broke from speaking with Sama, so everyone in the room heard him. We will wait until nightfall before we move about the streets. 
I know a place, but there's eyes watching everywhere. Rowan nodded. The man was sincere and honest, being one of the hallmarks of his character for as long as they had known each other. Rowan realized the danger they were in, each without a kingdom to call their own, evil surrounding them at every turn, and now a friend appeared when they were in dire need. He thought to himself, the gods were now answering their prayers, taking notice perhaps bringing them good fortune on the rest of their journey. Perhaps wishful thinking. The next day will reveal itself and its fortunes. But for now, only the gods themselves could know what was approaching.